0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah yeah. Pump fake
1: right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer. put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co host, Jaron. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting back in the swing of things, finishing up the season and reviews that um, we have just egregiously procrastinated over here. Um, but, you know, if you guys did listen to our last podcast where we kind of got back into the swing of things, of course, obviously we've had um, some run ins and some bouts. Uh, with our good fellows over at Twitter support, in terms of our old account on Twitter at mainstream underscore mavs, and it has halted our prog- our uh, our progress here, and uh, you know, obviously it's a it's a sticky situation, um, but you know what what's a tried and true podcast about the Dallas Mavericks that doesn't have to face some adversity? You know, we're we're very um, you know in lockstep with the Mavericks um, in in that same vein because. They had to face a lot of adversity this season, and um, it 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 might end up paying dividends in the coming draft. And and we're kind of hoping that our situation will will bode the same results. Jaron, it's been a minute since we've been on the microphone. Um, you know, we're we're ready to dial out the season and reviews here for Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleber, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Wrapping up the role players here before we head on to uh, Luca and Kyrie, and then we uh, you know get kind of steadfast within our draft profiles and things of that nature. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about some current events. Obviously, there's a lot of rumors going on right now, um, but m- many of them uh, probably um, false and probably uh, severely overblown, especially uh, the one, you know, involving LeBron James and the Dallas Mavericks. But it's all, you know, good talking points at the end of the day. How have you been, Jaren?
0: You know, we've been good over here in the two one four. Um, no, in all seriousness, you know, been pretty good. How about you, Will? Let's have a little life discussion on the pod.
1: Uh, I, I've been, you know, churning through life, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel like my life isn't completely validated, um, nor completely whole if, if I don't have this podcast. Agreed. And, and I appreciate you guys for, for listening and sticking with us, um, amidst our, our troubles and our adversities. If you're still listening, uh, through this little, uh, sort of, you know, triumph that we've had over the last few weeks, just with our Twitter account getting revoked Um and, you know, us just not getting content out at the clip or rate that we wanted to kind of because of that. And we really do appreciate your guys' support. So, um, you know, I'm feeling a whole lot better to answer your question now, Jerry.
0: <laughs> there we go. I like that. Yeah.
1: Um But uh, nonetheless, uh, excited to get into these player profiles. Um You know, obviously we, we do, we have not amassed, uh, too much of a following on our Twitter yet, but we're hoping to get those numbers up. Hoping to engage you guys again, and uh, but we're still, you know, getting some decent numbers on these podcasts, which shows that you, you know, day one listeners um, are still out there supporting it. So we we really do appreciate that. Um, we're gonna be cycling through a lot of content throughout the the coming days uh, before we get kind of back in the swing of things, just to catch up. Uh, so things will kind of come out at a um, absurd. Uh, sort of erratic pace here uh, as we proceed over the next few days uh, as we wrap up our play- prayer, uh <laughs> geez uh player profiles as well as our draft profiles and everything of that sort um you'll uh, have an abundance of podcasts to listen to after a complete drought so you know it, it's just uh the the philosophy that we adhere to over a mainstream Mouse podcast but you know we we uh we need to, f- fix our procrastinating tendencies, you know, as the Mavericks need to, you know, just like Jason Kidd needs needs to fix some of his tendencies and out-of-timeout scenarios, Jaren. Jeff Van Gunney is the answer. Yeah, Jeff. (laughs) See, we've missed, you know, far and away too much over here. (laughs) Uh, Nonetheless, uh, we we better just get right into it here. So uh, without further ado, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren, so getting into it here, you know, obviously we are going to be wrapping up all of our player profiles on uh, concluding with Luca and Kyrie, uh, you know, here in the next couple of podcasts, but we do got to finish these, these role players up, you know, before we get into our draft profiles and all the, um, you know, sweet, savory content that we have planned over the next few weeks as, as we lead up to the NBA draft here with the Mavericks have the, you know, optionality to be able to deal their pick, move back in the draft or select a young player. Uh, you know, it has been reported by many, as well as Tim Cato, that they are pretty keen as of right now to uh trading the pick, but we'll obviously have to see what um situation, you know, prevails itself and uh what happens. Um it, you know it, it's an exciting time now that we have veered away from you know the whole the whole Tankathon project and we can actually uh, start, you know getting excited about a new season uh, without feeling you know an abundance of you know sorrow and and pain and uh, just general discontent because uh, that that was kind of the uh, end into the season there. but you know um a guy that you know can reciprocate some of those uh those feelings uh throughout certain points of his season, uh, but you also kind of get uh, the ultimate highs with him. Uh, You know, Mr. Streaky himself, Tim Hardaway Jr. We're going to be starting off with him in terms of our player profile today, Jaren. Uh, So in terms of, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s past season, Jaren, uh, was obviously troubled, you know, injury riddled a little bit at the beginning of the season. um, And he was shooting the ball terribly. His name was on the chop block. Mavericks fans uh, were ready to ship him out for Ben Simmons. It it was it was looking pretty grim. I, I could pull up some trade packages that I made. Uh, back in October or November and I think that they would uh definitely be a, a laughing stock on NBA Twitter as of right now but nonetheless Tim was able to sort of re-up his value into you know maybe a, a, the neutral tier or possibly even a positive tier uh just depending on you know the team and uh you know or another team for that matter and their need for shooting and you know could he have played his last game in the Maverick you know that question is to obviously be answered this offseason. Uh, but nonetheless, he he is a contributing role player uh that has the ability to contribute, you know, in a winning way on a championship team. Um, and he he tends to do so uh, you know, towards the playoffs uh year after year. But, you know, he does have these, you know, pretty, you know, triumphant downwinds where, you know, he is just shooting. Uh, catch and shoot threes at the top of the arc like five feet behind the line and he's not able to make anything and you know fans are calling for him because his shot diet is just so egregious and you know he's he's shooting at a 20% clip and you know he he has the has a tendency to to get lost on defense though that may be something that he you know we, we may see or you know later in this podcast that he kind of improved upon in certain areas this year. But, you know, I would definitely say he's one of the more volatile players on this roster uh, in terms of his future with the Mavericks going forward from the perspective that he could, you know, still be contributing um, and, you know, be a very equitable and, uh, you know, very important player for the Mavericks this coming season. Um, But he could also, you know, be in Miami. Uh, But, you know, with the Heat's recent success, uh, the door may have closed on that one. But, you know, there's, there's always Minnesota. Um, there's always, uh, Salt Lake city. I mean, we, we have an abundance of options at the table here, um, just throw Tim up in the Midwest and let him, I'm just joking. Uh, we, we don't want anybody rotting in the Midwest. I, I did that for far too long, but, uh, you know, in Tim's case, if he does get dealt, hopefully, you know, I do wish him the best because, you know, he has been an ultimate pro in his time in Dallas, to say the least. So Jaron, the Tim Hardaway Jr. This past season, you know, what do you think? Uh, were some of his biggest strengths, and you know, all, also what were some of his the uh, you know worst weaknesses, and you know, obviously, you know, in these player profiles, we diagnose this, you know, for every player, even if they've been in the league for like nine years, and you know, you can make your generalization before going into it. Uh, we just you know kind of want to really decipher um what we thought the best strengths and weaknesses because you know. They can change from player to player, uh, year to year, right? Uh, they can, even if it's marginally, some players may have done something better a little year. You know, even when you got you get guys past their prime, uh, you start to see them fine tune their game in different ways uh, year after year. So, uh, what do you think Tim Hardaway Junior.'s biggest strengths and weaknesses were this past year, Jaron?
0: Yeah, I think you know Tim improved, if honestly, in a lot of areas. Uh, I think consistency being one of those. You know, I think that there's arguments be made there because again. I think if we're going to prove one of his weaknesses, it's probably consistency as well. But I still think that that in a a way was almost a strength of his. I I think, you know, more so than not, he was on or at least average. Uh, I think he found a way to be present in games where even though he wasn't shooting well or wasn't necessarily having the biggest impact on games, he was still able to, you know, find a a little fingerprint in the game, uh, whether it be, you know, and just a, a few clutch three pointers, or uh, you know something offensively that he did, I uh, I think he found a way to impact games. Be, I think it's probably the best way to put it. Um, I, you know I think at times pre Kyrie that, and I this is a very weird saying, but I really do have think at times, you know there was some sort of argument to be made that Tim Hardaway may have been the quote unquote second star or second player, uh, in this sort of role that he was given. Uh, just, you know, with the way that the Mavericks were using him through their offense, it was very shot heavy and very, you know, Tim Hardaway heavy in the sense that if you're going to, if you have an open shot, take it. Um, And I think he shined in that role. I think that, you know, in the role that was given to him, I think he shined in it. And I think that's probably his biggest strength so far, Uh, because, you know, aside from his foot injury, I think the last two seasons of his career, it's been a little awkward, I guess, for him, you know, it hasn't been the best uh after that 2021 playoffs but it hasn't been the worst i guess probably the best way to put it and um i I think he found definitely a way to sort of reinvigorate his career not you know that he wasn't going to be a role player in this league at all but i i just think that he found some sort of positive value because i i look at him as a positive asset now Uh, a guy that you know likely is probably our best trade package outside of that 10 pick um and you know could be shipped over this offseason I, I know you listed a few places um so i think you know from I a, a i wasn't
1: listing those places like as actual well yeah i know but artists, you didn't but yes, listen yes, the I midwest
0: have. and i was thinking yes. indiana whenever you said that so yeah. um no but you know you do bring up good points from there um but yeah you know strength wise i think was in, increasing his sort of i guess um his cost or his uh sort of just trade value Uh, and being a little bit more consistent of a player. Now, if we're going to touch up on the weaknesses, you know, I did say consistency was a power or as a strength of his, but I think consistency was also a negative of his. And, you know, especially on the defensive side of things, I think, you know, offensively, whenever things were going, his defense sort of followed up. I think that there was multiple times in the season where he had pretty good stretches of defense. Uh, It wasn't totally lackluster Tim Hardaway defense or the Tim Hardaway junior that we've come usual uh, to see on the defensive end, I think um, if he could find some sort of consistency there where, you know, maybe his shot isn't going in, but the defense not stays, but, you know, at least is present, uh, you know, he might even increase his value just a little bit more. Uh, But, uh, you know, I I think that there was some positives to take away from there, but even still, um, there was... Not as many sort of, I guess, spurts throughout the season where shooting was just coming to an absolute halt for him. Ah, uh, but there was still some times where it was, you know, you could definitely feel it on that team, uh, especially pre- Kyrie. I think that's when everything started to feel a little less hopeful. And then Kyrie came in and definitely changed some things. But um, you know, to me, I think probably the biggest uh, weakness is just consistency on the defensive end. Uh, you know, not letting your offense dictate your defense, and we saw that pretty much as a theme Uh, on this 22 23 Mavericks squad. Uh, I think it's pr- pretty fair to say, uh, but I think he was sort of the catalyst of that, uh, sort of theme that I just said.
1: No, yeah, um, obviously, Tim definitely had you know more of a you know, consistent season, I think, just overall, uh, when you date back to. 2022 whatever it was that mid-January game against Golden State where he went down and then he subsequently missed you know the rest of the season as well as the playoff run um, and you know he he definitely looked a little bit hobbled uh, like it was hard to to get back in shape at the beginning of the year and you know I can attribute a lot of that to uh, you know some of those woes and the uh, some of the complaints by fans but at the end of the day I do think that he rekindled himself fairly well this year Uh, for a guy that, you know, is approaching the wrong side of 30, you know, those things like that uh, can be pretty concerning, um, you know, amidst the starts of the season that he had. Um, So just from a personal perspective, I'm glad that he was able to, you know, kind of not reshape his career, but maybe reimburse it, um, reimburse his value that was um, huge for him as a player. You know, he he did start making threes at a much better clip. I, I would even go as far as to say is that this was, you know, surprisingly maybe one of his best seasons defensively, even, you know, amidst the Mavericks. Um, when, just some of the league-worst struggles that they had that second half of the season uh, where they basically, you know, conceded um, even a toddler to run free to the rim. But, I mean, Tim – you know really and it's funny because I really started to see it even later on in the season um he he was able to uh, serve as a pretty valuable cog for the Mavericks in terms of being an on ball defender and he he was tasked with some assignments uh that were probably you know unfairly delegated to him just because of the Mavericks lack of personnel um you know in the surrounding wing spots. And, you know, he had to guard some of the best players on a nightly basis. And, you know, while Tim is obviously, you know, still a guy that's going to get lost, you know, amidst rotations, and he's he definitely not the best off-ball defender. You know, he has a tendency to get caught ball-watching, can be lackadaisical at times. You know, and, you know, while he obviously isn't, you know, I'm not going to call him Athletic because he, he's he's a very athletic player but i don't know if his athleticism necessarily translate translates as well on defense just you know he's not the longest guy he's he's not the tallest guy um he doesn't have the best lateral speed things of that nature um obviously he, he was still suffering on but you know he was definitely putting in the most effort i think i'd seen him put in, in his career and you know for that i do got to give him credit I do think that he shifted a little bit um, and kind of diverted to, you know, being more of just a strictly a three-point specialist. And, you know, albeit, you know, once Kyrie came onto the team, I, I wasn't really displeased at that role. There were different periods at the time where he was starting, he was starting, coming off the bench, you know, towards the end of the season, it really didn't matter because the team had no defense anyways. Um, but I, I do think that Tim – you know started to you know really kind of just you know get those above the break threes going he was coming off a lot more screens uh you know where he would you know defender would go under and he he would just kind of pull it um it, it was definitely not as you know I, I felt like we saw a lot less drives a lot less uh, pull up twos from him this year but nonetheless um he he was shooting the ball at a pretty good clip i I think he was still around 40% in terms of what he shot from three this year. You know, after the pretty bad start that he had, that's still impressive. He still, I think he registered a couple 30-point games, got hot a few times still. So, I mean, you know, if he can, you know, consistently be able to produce at this level and, you know, carry on this this skill set that's uh, sort of irreplaceable, um, you know, just kind of a microwave score like that, um, if he can kind of continue to bolster that, uh, throughout the course of his career, especially you know for a guy who, you know, maybe doesn't need to rely on athleticism as much, uh, it can definitely bode pretty well for his longevity. So you know, in terms of a player perspective, um, I thought he had a really good bounce back year, you know, despite the Mavericks, um, obviously the team, the team wide, um, <laughs> just a triumph of course, but. I think Tim himself had a, had a pretty consistent year, uh, you know, contrary to some other years that he's had where, you know, it's like 30 point game, zero point game. It, it you know, there were, there were stretches maybe uh, where he'd go a couple weeks kind of going like that, uh, you know, where he'd be in, you know, maybe a micro slump. Uh, but overall, you know, you felt like you were getting more of those just like kind of like six for 14 performances or average performances. And, you know, I'll, I'll take that, you know, over the, inconsistency even though if that means that i'm going to get a 31 point game every you know three or four games because if you know you have baseline tim hardaway jr i feel like that gives you a better chance to win um in you know a more wide array of games right so from that perspective that that was definitely something that i was happy he improved upon um otherwise jaron unless you'd like to add on to any more strengths and weaknesses he has uh, what do you think his biggest improvement that needs to be made um, by next year is?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, Tim, I, I think that there's, you know, many improvements that he can make, uh, but at this point in his career, you know, there's really not much you can ask for. Um, I think, you know, on the offensive end, I think he's kind of found his bread and butter, but, you know, just to improve a little bit, I think he could maybe increase his sort of, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, not from running, but sort of like, um, I guess slashing ability. I think if he got to the hole a little bit more, it might even make him a little bit more efficient. Uh, a little bit more of a tool guy other than just a you know sh- three point shooter. He does a pretty good job of getting up to like, you know his pull up shots or whatever. But I, I think there was very few spurts, uh, like one against the Lakers, and I feel like one against Milwaukee or some team like that, um where he was pretty aggressive towards the rim just in a few possessions. Uh, I think it was, uh, I know it was the Lakers, but yeah, he was, he was aggressive at the rim, a few possessions. Um, He's able to either get, you know, easy layups or easy dunks um, or just, you know, make it hard for the defense, keeping the defense true. Um, I think if he could improve that ability, just sort of, you know, changing up his game ever so lightly um, and sort of his like, you know, placement on the, on the court, I guess, on the offensive end, uh, that would help him tremendously. I just think, you know, you you know what you're getting out of Tim, which is going to be sort of a, you know, just sort of like pull up three point shooter, a guy who's going to shoot, you know, pretty much in th- any three point shot that he can get um or even a mid range pull up. Um, but I think if he could add a three level scoring effect to him, that would be immensely huge. And not that, you know, because he is he has lost athleticism, especially after his, uh, his, his after his foot injury. Um, but even still, I, I think that, you know, that athleticism is still there. Yes. He's, you know, sort of coming on the back half of 30, but, uh, I, I think there's still a lot of life there. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if those adjustments will be made because again, that's a big ask of someone, especially this late in their career, but you know, who knows uh, if he's asked of a bigger role, I think that he could definitely sort of fill those sort of shoes. Um, and again, we don't know if he's going to be with the team next year because he is likely, you know, the second best Sort of trade candidate that the Mavericks have, um. So from that standpoint, I know that you know they're looking to make a lot of moves. So I don't know if he'll be here, but uh, if he is, I-, I would love to see him make that sort of change or make that uh, sort of positive effect in his game.
1: Yeah, no, I I would definitely second you on the fact that, you know, he he did look a little more hesitant to drive to the rim this year. There, I think you know earlier in the season there were multiple times where I even remember us like clowning him in a few podcasts for like uh, getting like rim stuffed a few times gunks. Yeah. um, And he was, he was getting blocked a lot more. And I mean, yeah, you can probably attribute that to that uh that injury versus golden state. um, And, and just a general sort of maybe, you know, with, with that, you know, some of that is just confidence when you're, when you're growing up that you may not even have it anymore. You know, Tim's not egregiously old. I believe he's only like 29 or 30. So I, I think that there's still some light in there um, in terms of his athleticism for you know, him still to get back and you know, to where he was at for another year or two. Uh he does keep himself in excellent shape. He's down there uh training in Miami, you know, maybe not quite the boot camp that Eric Spolstra has running down there. Uh but, you know, he 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 would sure love to join them, wouldn't he, Jaron?
0: Oh, he absolutely would.
1: No, yeah. But obviously the uh the Tim to the Miami Heat rumors have and the whole like proposed Duncan Robinson Uh, trade swap and everything has been circling on Twitter uh, really since last season, I feel like, Um, but, you know, like I mentioned, you know, the Heat's recent success and then going to the finals and everything, I don't know how likely that scenario is uh, anymore unless they lose to the Nuggets. So uh, we'll just have to stay, stay tuned for that, I guess. But, you know, Tim is a guy that keeps his body uh, in, you know, in excellent shape. He's, he's really diligent um, about, you know, his preparation that's one thing I've always appreciated about his time in Dallas. So, you know, if he is able to make a jump like that, um, that would, you know, obviously be huge for the team, you know, just to get a little more multidimensional offensively, uh, be able to attack off closeouts harder and, you know, go up and, you know, just get a layup up, uh, draw some fouls. Um, you know, our surprising stat kind of that, that we'll mention a little later kind of goes hand in hand with uh, you know, how Tim played offensively. I do think that he'll obviously need to shift uh to shooting a little bit, you know, more of those above the break threes. Um, you know, some of those, you know, just screw it shots uh when a defender goes under. Uh once he once he gets older and you know, he obviously has to rely on that a little bit more, but you know, with his athleticism, you know, still kind of in the wheelhouse. Uh, you know hopefully with a full offseason healthy uh, he's able to somewhat get back to that level uh, you know and become a little bit more multi-dimensional offensively because the Mavericks you know outside of Kyrie and Luka that is obviously one of the places that um, they are lacking in terms of you know having a lot of these one-dimensional uh, sort of role players so you know that and then you can always you know ask for Tim to improve on defense I, I thought last year was honestly like the best defensive season I've seen from him, so I I, I just want to hold back, um, you know, on that from that perspective because you know I I just don't want to ask too much out of the guy from that perspective. I I was pleased with what and pleasantly surprised with what I saw last year, so you know I'll I'll, I'll hold back my my hate and all that stuff um, for if Tim you know really just comes into next season if he is still on the team and is uh you know back to uh you know just complete idle defense out there um you know just just being an NPC on the court um clocking cardio on one end and chucking threes on the other maybe then i will um you know some of those takes that i reserved i'll i'll bring out but for now i you know i, I don't know how much more i can request from him on that end you know uh so I think that that's a, you know, a good segue into, uh you know, obviously we talked about his biggest improvements that need to be made by next year. Uh, what do you think the biggest improvement he made uh, from the previous year? Now, you know, albeit he obviously played 41 games, I believe he only played half of the season in the 2021-22 season. Um, but for me personally, I would probably answer that question um, just in terms of his overall consistency and his shot because um, it was looking really dim there. In that first season under Jason Kidd for Tim, um, you—I don't know—I almost seemed as if just in terms of the spacing uh, with the offense, the shift from the Carlisle style to the the Kid style uh, was was something that fans pointed out a lot uh, in terms of something that may have you know served as an adjustment uh, for Tim, you know, trying to you know play a little bit more. Um, you know, within kids system, which I, which I think is honestly, uh, I would classify offensively uh, would just probably, you know, kids offensive system, I'd say has a little more ebb and flow to it. It has a little more player freedom. Uh, There's not as many plays being ran. You know, I, I do think that in the Carlisle system, Tim was probably getting a lot, a lot more of those design looks for him. And, you know, once he was able to adjust for that this past year, uh, I, I would honestly say that that was his, probably his biggest improvement, uh, just adjusting to the flow of the offense and his shot making. Um, but, Jaren, um, of course, what would you say um, his biggest improvement from the uh, 2021-22 season was?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, from that those two seasons, if you're comparing them, they actually look relatively the same. There's a little bit of a drop-off in terms of, like, field goal percentage from uh, 21 to 22. But outside of that, they do look pretty similar um me personally I think his biggest improvement was just being some being a role or uh getting a role uh within the offense because if I remember right in that 21 season didn't really have a role he was just picking his shots whenever he got them um and sort of you know being the open corner shooter uh or open wing shooter I guess I should say but um and this sort of case in this season I think that he found a really big role especially with the absence of uh Jalen Brunson I think that he was able to shine on the offensive end and become a really big offensive figurehead uh, within the system. I I mean, whenever Luca was out pre-Kyrie, he would be headlining, you know, those sort of ESPN games uh, with the, you know, I guess, like as a Maverick, which was, you know, concerning yet kind of, I guess, for his case, kind of cool. Um, so I think his ability to, you know, be a role player uh, within the offense and even especially the defense was probably the biggest improvement for me.
1: No, I would definitely uh, tend to agree with you on that one, Jaron. Um, what do you think Tim's sustainability rating is, Jaron? And if you don't mind refreshing everybody, uh, what the sustainability rating kind of constitutes?
0: Yeah, so it is a one out of ten rating. Uh, one of course being the worst, and ten being the absolute best. Um, and with that information given, I think this one's a little tough. I won't lie. Well, yeah, um,
1: but, but describe it a little bit, like what, what exactly? Oh,
0: yeah, like sustainability. Uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I guess like, uh, sustainability. You know, whether or not you're going to be on be on the team next year, uh, whether or not you're going to have a role as a Maverick or even in the NBA, uh, depending on who that player is. Um, I guess probably the best way to put it, like,
1: and just like injuries and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, injuries. Yeah. yeah,
0: like how I guess yeah, how much you can rely on that player uh and the season coming so for my sustainability of course that being one out of ten for tim hardaway jr and this is probably the toughest one i've had to do i'll probably go with a 5.5 just because of the and that might be even a little high uh just because of the amount of rumors that he's been in uh and again i've pointed this out before but he's like our second best sort of trade target or you know sort of asset on this team uh that we have to offer outside of the 23 maybe third best if you want to include the 27 first round pick um And just that fact alone, especially, you know, the fact that this is a pretty pivotal offseason, that I would stick it at a 5.5. If he is on the Mavericks next season, I I think that there's more luck involved than than anything. You know, maybe a team just didn't want him included, his contract being too egregious or whatever it is. Um, And so I think, you know, if he is on the season or if he's on the team next year, uh, you know, good for him. Uh, uh, You know, I'm not wishing him gone. I, I actually learned to like him. Uh, like and that's a weird saying for me because I'm not a big-time hard with him, but I I have learned to like him over this past season. So I, would, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, but overall, I just think he's this roster with this current state.
1: Yeah. Um. In terms of what my uh personal sustainability rating would be for Tim, I would probably uh, pencil it in at about a five. Um. You know, just due to the volatility of the situation. Uh. With him. You know him and davis being basically the mavericks two biggest salary fillers if they do want to make moves and tim obviously being the more lucrative piece out of those two if you're you know if you're looking at this from an opposing team standpoint you know in, in an offseason that the mavericks need to be need you know moves to be made uh, substantial moves at that you know they have a few assets on hand you know being davis uh you know plus um assets to spice up davis or you know, you know he's just a negative asset by himself. Or Tim, you know he he's a positive salary filler. So you know you you add him in tandem to other pieces that obviously could potentially get you something. And you know adding either one of those two with the the tenth pick, and you know the Mavericks, like I keep saying, are a few moves away, not just one move away. Um, so we'll have to see. You know, unless they somehow actually you know swing the Davis for LeBron James deal that has been. You know, thrown on the table uh, by many talking ha- heads here as of recently. Um, but if they're not able to pull that off, uh, you know, then you know you're looking at a you know a wide array of options that they could kind of go with here, um, just in terms of the different trades that they can make this off season. It's almost like redundant to make fake trades this off season. You know, I know I know me and Jaron will still attempt to, uh, but the <laughs> possibilities are, I feel like a lot more extensive than. You know, maybe even last off season and this past trade deadline, uh. So the movement on the horizon is, is definitely um going to be exciting to see, uh, from the Mavericks perspective. Um, but knowing them, um, the the move is always, uh, going to happen, and and then somehow and somehow they will completely flake on the off season and do nothing. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, you know their their hand is almost forced here, so. I do expect something to be happening here. So we'll just have to monitor the situation accordingly. Um, but yeah, in terms of Tim, uh, you know, he's as good as he is. And as much as, you know, he's meant to Dallas in his last few years here, um, you know, especially if, you know, you've really came to to grown him, you know, not just as the basketball player, but as a person, um, it, it isn't looking uh, the greatest, um, but I wouldn't say all hope is lost, just kind of depending on what the Mavericks do. So, yeah, I, w- I would probably just have to go dead center and, and say a five on that. Um, Jaron, would you like to tell everybody what the uh, surprising stat for Tim Hardaway Jr. is?
0: Of course I would. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., surprising stat. Man, this is actually really good. Um, 62% of his shot attempts were all threes, and that is a career high by almost 8%, which is, you know, in basketball terms, that's actually really crazy. So. That's that's the interesting set.
1: Yes, uh, and that, that kind of points towards what we were uh talking about there, you know, beginning at the pod. Um, that Tim, you know, did shift to uh, you know, a little bit more of a, a shooting centric uh shot diet, you know, beyond um, you know, that that eighteen to twenty foot range. Um he he's he was taking a lot of threes, wasn't really operating in the mid range much, wasn't getting to the rim as much, um, but you know, wasn't um too bad in those attempts. So, um, that's why, you know, we, we found that one to, to dig out. Um, but otherwise, Sharon um, you know, do you, do you have anything else on Tim? Um, and just in terms of, you know, any, any final goodbyes is it, if this is the last time we talk about him, um, you know, in, in terms of a, uh, a, a serious discussion on him before he's, uh, out in Dallas, you know, this, this could be the last time, Darren, you know, if, if there's anything that you would like to thank him for the, the floor is yours.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, in all truthfulness, you know, he has been an a plus player uh, or at least a plus sort of guy. I, I do, teammate. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Teammate. There you go. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's been an a plus teammate uh, for the Mavericks for five whole seasons now. Um, and, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say, you know, if you think about the Mavericks and you think about this era, there's no way you can't think about Tim Hardaway now, especially early Luca era. Um, You know, I think it's just one of those guys that just sticks with it, especially for how long he has uh, sort of stayed with that Chris Stapps, Porzingis trade being how awful it is in hindsight. Um, He's at least been one of the very few bright spots and that sort of thing. And, you know, I hate saying it, but, you know, we did love him here. We did love his time here. Uh, if it is coming to an end, um, I would like to wish him luck wherever he goes. Um, maybe he's going to be back in the Rick Carlisle regime. We don't know. Um, but, oh, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to leave it off is uh, a good hold, or a good heartfelt thank you. Thank you, Tim Hardaway Jr. Thank you, uh, Mr. Vice himself. So, Vice City.
1: I would uh, I would reciprocate everything you said, Jaren. That was that was beautiful. So I mean there's there's no other words I got for that. With that it being said, a
0: little emotional.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um let, let's just go ahead and move on to Maxie and uh save our tears for uh when the buddy healed Tim Hardaway Jr. swap actually happens. Um so Jaron Maxie was obviously injured by you know that right hamstring tear, I believe. Um there. I think he had it, he got it um sometime I <laughs> think in this mid December. Yeah, I think it was mid December. Yeah. And then he uh it end, he ended up kind of not returning there until right after the all-star break. Um it, it definitely took out a good portion of his season there and it was almost kind of the defining factor of his season. I think he played just about 50 games or maybe a little more this year. Um but it was definitely a different season than we've seen from him in past years, one where I think fans had a lot of questions as to how much you know the you know waning athleticism has affected his game. Um, but then, you know, conversely, he would also every once in a while, you know, still have uh, you know just one of those lockdown defending sort of uh, games where he's able to defend um, you know, at the point of attack when he gets switched onto a ball handler, um, you know, as well as, you know, be the the low man and be able to rotate over from the weak side um, and, you know, get some blocks um, from some pretty talented guys, uh, you know, going up on the rim. But it just felt like we didn't see that as much this past year as we had in years past. What did we uh, come to think, you know, of, of this last year of the uh, the second most famous Maverick from Würzburg?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Maxi Kluba. So he actually ended up only playing 37 games. Oh, geez, um, I thought it was 50. I thought it was 50. That's yeah, no, it, it, I remember it taking a good portion. That's how he said 50. I was like, that doesn't sound right, but I, I didn't think it was 37. Ah, uh, yeah. Know. Um, no, yeah, so he played 37 games. Uh, and in 37 games, if we're all being honest with ourselves, he didn't really do too much. Uh, I would say it was one of his worst, if not the worst, because there are such high expectations for him, um, in his career, at least. In Dallas, I know, and he's only spent his NBA career in Dallas. But um, that's just my personal take. I think it's probably uh, reciprocated amongst most Mavs fans. But um, you know, I think one of the things that we at least come to see is, you know, even though it was a a pretty bad season for him and especially for the team, that at least there was some positives. um, You know, aka the the buzzer beater against the Lakers and things like that. And also just the fact that he was able to come or come back from injury so quickly after a surgery that I think many thought it would be uh, almost the end of the season. I think his sort of timetable return was mid-March, and I think he came back either the very first week of March or the very last week of February. I can't quite remember. He came, um, back at,
1: probably... yeah, he came back at the end of February.
0: Yeah, end of February, yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, for him to come back, you know, that early – in an injury that sounds pretty gruesome I mean tearing your hamstring does not sound good at all uh it, it sounds pretty season ending worthy of an injury I, I think that's pretty indicative of what kind of player he is um now granted he didn't have the best season uh you know defensively there was some times there where you saw that Maxi of old I think there was a few games against uh, Memphis I want to say where he had some pretty decent defensive games um and then there was just some times where it was just pretty much like a saloon door I think his athleticism, was definitely felt uh or at least the waning part of it was definitely felt this season I think we had to rely on him way too much more or way too much than we probably should have uh and we've been saying this now for the past three seasons I think um and you know I mean he's what is he 31 or 32 now yeah no, he's 31 um, now yeah yeah so yeah I mean he just had his birthday like you know age isn't becoming anything more of a positive factor uh and you know I hate saying it but his time may be whining, uh, and especially if injuries keep looming. I know the season before, in the 21-22 season, he also had a pretty injury riddled season, but he was able to find some some good positives. I think he only played 57 games in that season as well. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, if you know, personally, I think if he could find some way to kind of stay healthy, and I think that's also the Mavericks' job, is to find him sort of a role or find him, you know, a spot on the bench where he doesn't have to play uh, you know those sort of twenty to thirty minute games. I think if he could find a good role in the squad, playing fifteen to twenty, that would definitely uh sort of elevate his career and sort of make it a little longer expectancy than you know what we've seen the past two seasons. Um, so I think that you know that's not totally his fault. I think that's definitely some of the Maverick sort of uh coaching or training staff. I don't know how or I guess who controls those sort of oh, definitely coaching, but um, I think that's probably you know some of the fault at hand. But you know on the court uh offensively and defensively for that matter, it was just not very, you know, not very maxi like. Um and, you know, there was some spurts, like I mentioned before, there were some spurts that were pretty positive. Uh, but outside of, you know, the Lakers buzzer beater and a handful of defensive games, I didn't really feel like we got too much out of Maxi this season.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think that you uh really were able to um holistically diagnose um you know, what 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 Maxie had to go through this last year. And, you know, for a player that really made his mark in the NBA on athleticism. And, you know, then the three point shot was something that he obviously developed, you know, kind of in tandem with Dory in there. Um, as the Mavericks were, you know, it, you know, they they suffered through the tank years. You know, this is another long-winded Maverick year. Maxie's been on the team since the 2017-18 season. And, you know, this is a guy that has you know built his status in the league you know upon his his switchability um his his weak side rim protection you know and as well as his um pick and pop abilities and you know his ability to hit the three and you know even as his, his three-point shot uh he didn't look like he had his legs in it as much there were stretches where he was making a lot but you know it, it wasn't as emblematic of the 2022 playoffs where you know if anybody remembers that you know, first round series versus the jazz where he hit like seven or eight threes. Um, You know, we weren't seeing stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying that Maxie's time is over. I I still do think he can, you know, produce um, at a decent clip. You know, he's only 31 uh, when you really look at it, but the Mavericks have put a lot of wear and tear on his tires Um, unfairly. So that, you know, they've, you know, sort of overexpended him both in the Carlisle and kid era Um, asked him to, you know, play, a bigger you know he's started came off the bench whatever they've asked him to play you know much more of a bigger role um than he was probably ready for even at his peak of a role player and we're seeing it sort of catch up to him with injuries here um but it'll be interesting going forward to see uh, you know if he is in a lesser role if he does stay with the team um can he you know rekindle um some of that consistency?
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see sort of how much he can sort of get back or, uh, you know, granted that he's getting a full offseason now. Um, I don't really know how much of a rehabilitating time uh, he got after that hamstring injury. I just don't really know how much time he got to get back in shape um, and sort of work on his basketball skills um, before he sort of got thrown into the lineup. So I think getting him a full offseason uh, one where he can sort of fully rehab it, or uh, rehab his uh hamstring and sort of um get back at least some of the consistency. I think that we've come to see with Maxi. Um, it'll be really good and really beneficial for what he is. Um, granted, at the beginning of the season, you know, with the full off season and with the role that he was given, this was pre hamstring injury. I still don't feel like we were watching um the Maxi of old. I think he was sort of working into it. But like many other uh, Mavericks, and we, we're going to talk about one here in a minute, um, with Reggie Bullock, it, it sort of takes quite a little bit of grace period for these guys to get into uh, midseason form. Um, and Maxi, I, I would consider one of those guys as, you know, you have to give him a little of a bit of a period just to work into basketball shape, uh, get sort of into the regular season mood, and then we can see the the Maxi of old. And I, I just don't think he quite got into that rhythm uh, before that hamstring injury. And, you know, we definitely saw it. And unfortunately, it dictated the rest of his season. Um, But yeah, like I said, I think giving him a full offseason, giving him uh, one where I think he can fully rehab that hamstring, because I I just really don't feel like that hamstring was fully uh, rehabbed and fully healthy. Um, At the time that he came back, I I think it really sort of affected the rest of his season. So I think if we could see him get back to 100%, it would really benefit his career. And I mean, I don't know about you, Will. Um, I mean, he's 33 now. Is this... I think there's real questions like is this his last good season of basketball? Is this his second to last good season of basketball? I think that the clock is sort of ticking, um, Max is, Max is sort 31. of his career. Oh, thirty one. Sorry, uh, yeah. thirty one. Yeah, I apologize. Um, I mean, still, I think the clock is ticking. Yeah. Um, I just don't think with his play style, he's going to, not not last long, but like, uh, with the re- injuries that he's sort of gotten over his career, and um, especially that hamstring injury, that's just something that definitely winds the miles down um and sort of a career standpoint so I, I think there's questions to be had um I know the Mavericks committed to him long term and that was of course last off season but um at this point I think that there's definitely some questions to be had but we'll see with the full off season I think he can definitely rekindle some of uh the twenty one twenty two ma- Maxi that we did become accustomed to seeing yeah
1: and I mean the same thing like we we'll talk about with Reggie but you know a lot of those early regular season woes can you know, I mean, I guess in Reggie's case, he's obviously had it almost every year of his career. But, I mean, a lot of that can be conducive to that that late-season playoff run, you know, having to, you know, expel so much defensively in those series versus Utah, Phoenix, and Golden State. Um, you know, you're you're asking role players to elevate upon an echelon that they, they usually do. And, you know, you can get away with that maybe one season. Can you get away with multiple seasons? You know, usually not. Um, usually... Uh, that's when you got to kind of kick the tires and, you know, figure something else out. Um, But, you know, in Maxie's case, um, yeah, like, you know, his his standing is just going to be really dependent on what the Mavericks are able to put around him. Um, You know, if they can find another stable rim protector, you know, a tried and true rim protector, you know, maybe even if they want to take that bullpen approach to the big man position, just a guy that, you know, is at least, kind of head and shoulders, you know, at least one above the rest. There was arguments to be made that Christian Wood wasn't that, even if, you know, I believe he was, you know, you can go listen to our Christian Wood uh, season interview for our thoughts on that. But uh, that, that situation also, you know, c- you know, kind of coincided with Maxi's in terms of his playing time, uh, the whole Christian Wood thing. And that obviously uh, was, was probably course, um, you know, for discussion as to, why you know his minutes were somewhat inconsistent. You know, that, that whole two-man lineup, you know, look looked pretty good together, but we never got to see a whole whole lot of time of it because of the whole maxi injuries. I mean, there's just a lot of questions, you know, if Maxi was healthy and playing uh, at the level that you know he's capable of playing or he has in his career. Um you know maybe you know some different things persist out of Ma- out of the Mavericks this season. Um that you know he was obviously you Know, albeit unfairly, Maxie, you know, had a pretty integral role to fill this year for the Mavericks. Um, and he, he wasn't really able to step into it, you know, due to those injuries and, you know, um, due to that, um, just weird sort of log jam, um, that the Mavericks had at center because, you know, they had a, they had, you know, Christian Wood, Dwight Powell, Maxie, you know, all guys that you can kind of mix and match and, and play together. Um, but how well do all of them? you know, fit together? And did we even ever see enough of the the best pairing between those guys? And, you know, at certain points of the season were some of those guys, you know, asked to do things beyond their capabilities because they had to compensate for others that were out. It almost seemed as if this Maverick season was a sort of rotating door of injuries where like one guy would get healthy and then it'd be boom, another guy drops. It wasn't like multiple guys were out at one time for most of the season, which uh, was a really interesting dynamic. So uh, that, that'll that be interesting to to see, you know, as we go forward, you know, monitoring, you know, how the surrounding wings and, you know, bigs that the Mavericks are able to accrue defensively this offseason, if that can sort of change the scope for Max, if that can, you know, 15, 20 minutes is, you know, can prolong his NBA career. And, you know, you can still, at least get a big body down there defensively, even if the, the verticality is waning a little bit in a in a reliable stretch four. But you know, that'll that'll remain to be seen, of course. Um Jaron, what would you say, just real quick, because we've kind of talked about Maxi ad nauseum, uh, what would you say his biggest improvement was from the previous year if you just had to pick something? And uh I I mean I, I don't I don't even think it's necessary really to do the biggest improvement that needs to be made by next year because you know we we've talked about it here for you know ongoing probably like 10 15 minutes but you know i i think it's pretty self explanatory that's just his defense and you know his shot overall just getting back to where he was at but if he did make any improvements this year what what would you have to to say it was
0: yeah i mean i think probably uh, i mean this is, again is something that you just have to kind of pull out of your ass like it, it's right. really not much that you yeah. saw on the court that was improving worthy but um no, we'll, we'll go with clutchness flame. No, um I, was gonna I, say. I think just more of a team player uh, he's always been a team player throughout his career um but i think just sitting on the bench for as long as he did uh not really getting to play every game in the season um and also just being a competitor i think he was one of the guys that was sort of pushing the mavericks um into the the winning category or at least the attempting winning category uh as the season sort of prevailed um so i think from a competitive standpoint and just being a competitor in a a guy who loves the game of basketball. I think he improved in that standpoint. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't think there was anything on the court that we saw that was too positive, um, enough to at least sort of comment on. Um. But yeah, I think just from a competitor standpoint, from a mental standpoint, I think he definitely shined out. Uh. Especially with how, I mean, with how awful this season was. Uh. In hindsight, I think he was at least one of the bright spots. Uh. Just from a competitive standpoint. So I think that's probably yeah. the thing that I point out.
1: Yeah, I would definitely have to say his mentality, you know, you listen to him in any of these interviews throughout the course of the season. And he was always just, you know, Uber ready uh, to, to, you know, be steadfast in his rehab or progress and try to get back on the court. He was always really excited for his teammates, always uplifting. Um, you know, he's always been like that throughout his career, but I, I would definitely agree with you, Jaron, that it definitely seemed uh, like it was highlighted a little bit more this year. Um, you know, he he definitely just seemed like he was a little bit more ready for the moment, that that playoff experience, even if you know he did have a sort of a down season, it definitely seemed like it hardened him a little. Uh, you know, example 1A would probably be, you know, when he had that utter meltdown and collapse in Memphis, and then the next night he hits the game winner versus the Lakers, obviously. Um, you know, it's one of the few examples we can point towards, but you know, that that's a lot of that is uh that takes a lot of mental fortitude and uh toughness and you know to be battle battle everything he did this year if he's able to come out on the other side i would definitely uh, have to say his his mentality um is one of the bigger uh attributes to that um what would you say maxi's sustainability rating is in a dallas maverick uniform and this is another one that i think is kind of tough
0: yeah you know i think it's tough i, I wouldn't say it's as tough as tim hardway of course um i i you know, it, one out of ten again. I would probably throw him a little bit higher than Tim. I'd go, we'll go with a six, uh, with Maxi because again, I mean, he is a little favorable. He he's favorable, um, at least on the trade block. I think he's definitely a guy that we could probably see shipped out, um, just because of you know his sort of defensive presence that he has. Uh, I mean, he's definitely league known, um, as being a pretty good defender. So not I think for that, not thing, the
1: ESPN commentators.
0: No, no, no. Actually, yes. like. Nationally, like I, I think that he's very underrated. I, but I think from a coaching standpoint, people know his name. Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, he's definitely a guy we could realistically see on the trade block this off season. Um, now I would say I'd rather have him in a Maverick uniform more than Tim hardway uh, just because of what he offers and what this team lacks. I think Maxi's way more valuable. Um, and especially the contract that he will soon be on. Uh, or actually, I think as of this season, and yeah, now kicks in, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, I think that's much favorable for what we're getting out of him, assuming he can stay healthy. Um, that's probably why I'd go with a six. I, I think more so than not, we would probably see him back in Dallas, but you never know. There's I would say it's probably a seventy thirty or sixty-five, thirty-five chance that he's probably um a thirty-five percent chance being that he's traded. Um, uh, maybe even a little higher. I'm not really sure of those odds, but um. Yeah, I I think a six is probably good with me. I think uh, like I said, everything that he offers on this on the court is something that is in dire need, um, for this squad, and you know more so than Tom Hardaway, in my opinion. Yeah, I I would.
1: My only question to that would probably be, you know, is are those skill sets in dire need to other contenders or other you know teams, league wide, just from the standpoint that. You know, for all the reasons that we listed negatively regarding the injury and the waning, you know, athleticism, all the questions surrounding that, I, I think that those will maybe be magnified a little bit uh in regards to like trade discussions and that. I don't I don't know if his value is positive right now, despite you know his track record as you know a pretty overtly uh positive player in in a you know in a winning playoff rotation, even if he is at the back half of that. Um I don't know, man. I, I think I would probably roll with a, another five on this one, just because of the whole injury history and everything. Um, but you know, if, if we're talking strictly about his sustainability um, in terms of being in a Maverick uniform, you know, I'd probably say probably yeah, like a six or a seven. Um, but it'll be an, interesting to go going forward. You know, nine million I think is where he's um, at in terms of his contract um, around what he's making per year. You know that that extension has kicked in. I think that's pretty favorable uh, on the new CBA, uh, especially if he is able to uh, tap back into what he was doing. But if he does, um, you know, get caught in the loop with these injuries, um, then that he, you know, that contract is going to be looked, you know, at an albatross as an albatross. And, you know, we'll have to kind of reevaluate from there uh, because he'll probably turn into a negative asset, but I don't know if we're that far gone yet. Um, But I also wouldn't call him, you know, a positive asset. I'd say Tim Hardaway Jr., is a, you know, overwhelming, you know, better asset than Maxi for sure, um, you know, if we're looking comparatively. So, you know, I could see him getting thrown into a trade, but he also is a, that sort of like mid-level contract uh, to where, you know, he's not as quick off the chopping block as I think a Tim or a Davis would be, uh or even one of the young players. But, um you know, in terms of a guy that could get moved at the deadline or, you know, even this offseason, you know, I, I definitely – you know, wouldn't say that he has better than, you know, I, I wouldn't say that there's like a one in. I'm trying to think of how to word this right. My math is abandoning me. Yeah. Forgive me, everybody. Uh, but I, I wouldn't say that. You know, I, I I there's probably about a one in four chance, or or so. Um, or probably, you know, higher than a one in four chance that he is a uh, still shipped out. So, uh, yeah. I mean that's what I would probably roll with jaron you know you're the surprising stat connoisseur for these player profiles for these season and reviews um you know I think we forgot to mention it but we do a, a surprising stat obviously in a sustainability rating for every player in these season reviews um if you haven't already caught on if if you're listening to this you probably listened to some of our previous ones so you probably have caught on but nonetheless new time listener jaron um what would you say uh Maxi's surprising stat was last year we're, we're, what were we able to find over here at the mainstream mouse podcast
0: on the mainstream mouse podcast i'll, I'll give a little hindsight for this one uh and the 21 22 season Maxi averaged 5.9 rebounds um i don't believe that it that's not per 36 minutes but that's just his overall stat um and again for the 20 and 21 and 19 and 20 season he averaged 5.2 now per 36 possessions uh, which uh, would per, land him at per thirty six minutes, rebounds. or per thirty six mi- minutes. Sorry, um, which sorry, I, I completely bluffed that. Yeah. Um, uh, which would land him at a whopping three point six rebounds um, per ball game. Uh, that would be, of course, his worst. Um, and I think that's only sort of. In, I think that's probably why this is probably the best surprising stat uh, is because that's only entailing of his sort of waning athleticism and of course that hamstring injury that occurred. Um, I mean, that's, I think, a career worse in the minutes that he's given. Uh, Definitely per
1: 36, probably a worse.
0: Per 36, it is uh, very much a worse. He averaged 5.2 in per 36 minutes. So, um, yeah, I think uh, in that standpoint, like, it's just, I mean, to me, I'm going to knock that down to athleticism and injury. I think it's probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the Mavericks you know, suffered at the hands of their lack of rebounding this past year. And that was one of the, you know, biggest things in tandem with their defense that uh, was just completely horrendous after the Kyrie trade. And, you know, I know there was a big call for, you know, Maxi and, you know, really all the bigs to get on the glass a little, bo- a little bit more. But, I mean, it was a team-wide thing where just nobody was boxing out. um, But, yeah, and, and to, from Maxie's perspective, you know, he's never been an elite rebounder. But he's always been a guy that tries and, you know, especially, like, he's never been the most talented offensive rebounder but he's also he, he's obviously been a guy that you know positions himself and you know does make a solid play in the ball especially he's able to vertically kind of get up there and i i would attribute a lot of that uh exactly to that so you know that that's a that's a good stat Jaron. you know let's go ahead and end it with everybody's uh favorite um the uh the two the two-faced extraordinaire um he you know probably the uh harshest dichotomy um in terms of how his play varies from you know a few months of the year uh and until uh the turn of the year um you know it came a little bit later i think i think it came after january 1st it really didn't happen until about maybe mid-january february where he finally uh you know (laughs) in full full stride but reggie bullock um jaron how did he perform for the mavericks this past year um and t- you know, talk about the uh, the the shift that we saw after those first few months of the season.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Reggie. It'd be safe to say that he probably wins the biggest turnaround player of the league. Uh, being that for four months out of the year or out of the season, it's just complete and awful basketball, and then for the next three months, he's like the best corner shooter in the league. Um, I I think out of Reggie Bullock this season, um, you know, we definitely saw more of an exaggerated. Uh, sort of meme where, you know, for the first half, or not first half, but up until January, uh, he's not going to shoot more than 30% in a ball game, And after January, he's going to shoot lights out. It was more up until early February, uh, whenever we saw the normal Reggie Block. But even still, I never think that we quite saw normal, quote for quote, Reggie Block. I think his defense um, was definitely a little questionable uh, at a lot of points in this year. Um, you know, a lot of people were, especially after Dorian's trade, a lot of people were sort of calling his name out to be the number one defender, or at least be a leader on that defense. And I never thought that we saw, um, not any leadership, but I never really thought that we saw any veteran poise, um, or sort of, you know, uh, really just a a confident or just like, a anything that improved dramatically on that side of things. Um, he's like probably the most three and D player maybe in this league has to offer. Um, And I think that uh, both of those were definitely to be questioned at multiple points this season. So I think from that standpoint, um, you know, Reggie's season was a little lackluster compared to the last few, even though this pretty Reggie Bullock esque. Uh, But uh, I mean, he still found some positives. He still found some very low negatives. Um, I I mean, once he finally got into the starting role and got, uh, I guess like, uh, consistent starting minutes you know we definitely saw things starting to pick up but uh, against Milwaukee he had that weird sort of confidence break where they just kind of sat him out uh, just letting him sit down get some confidence issue or uh, get some confidence back whatever it may be or a mental break I guess I should say Um, and then I think it was against the Clippers whenever he first popped off for like five threes um, and then didn't do that for another month um, like I said like there's just some weird spurts throughout the season where it, it, things look to be on the bright side, and then they just fall flat on their head. And then for, you know, a little a few weeks stretch here and there, uh, he'd have a really good shooting and a really good defensive sort of uh, span. But I just don't think we saw the consistency that we've come to accustomed to. um, And, you know, from that standpoint, I really just didn't like the season from Reggie. And um, I know we're going to get a little bit more into this as we go in, but um, it's going to affect his uh, mainstream math sustainability rating. So,
1: oh, yes. I would definitely, you know, say in the same vein that Maxi was adversely affected by that long-winded uh, playoff run, you know, that the Mavericks had made the year previously. I-, I think Reggie was as well. I mean, he had never done anything like that quite in his career. I don't think believe he'd ever got past, like, the first round um, in his previous stops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know he's on those Detroit teams. I think he made it, like, one year or so. Um, well, no, no yeah, and yeah. then, in York, the, and, then sure. and then New York, yeah, they, they made it in the first round one year, but um he obviously, you know, despite having been in the league for as long as he has, you know, wasn't really storied in the playoffs. And for a guy that was tasked with you know taking on an even bigger role uh defensively and you know, just like Maxie was. Um, both guys that were tasked with pretty big roles beyond their capabilities that we didn't, you know, really think were sustainable in that 2022 playoff run. Um, it was only amplified for both of those guys. So, you know, it we're, we're obviously, you know, being constructively critical here, but, you know, I'm not going to veer away from the fact that these guys were, you know, delegated some pretty um, hard tasks here uh, comparable to what they're. You know abilities are as players, uh, for Reggie specifically. You know, his point of attack defense. You know, uh, I I think it just definitely dwindled a little bit. He looked just less laterally laterally quick. Um, he was getting bodied a little bit more. I mean, there were a lot of times where, you know, he he was kind of just getting t- you know took to the basket. Uh, I do still think his you know off ball anticipation. Um, you know his ability to just be a savvy team defender those things uh still you know stayed pretty tried and true to how he's played throughout his whole career not something that I think really um got off track for him but you know his individual on-ball defense you know as well as you know just how one-dimensional he is I think maybe two factors that uh probably depreciated from the year previously and you know obviously reggie is you know the primary example of if you know you think about a three and D player in basketball right a guy who shoots um you know spot up threes and then he plays defense at the other end but even so um it felt like he was even like more limited this year like he almost had like no offensive capability at times literally outside of shooting I remember at one time he had like had like the the least amount of drives out of players that had played a certain um, minute total in the league or something like that. And you know, I, I mean, I'm sure he had, he's probably up there year after year, but you don't know. It, like he wasn't even taking pull up twos off closeouts or anything. I and mean, it, it just felt like you know it, it was three point. You know, it was a corner three off you know, Maverick ball movement that, you know, where the possession had sort of catalyzed uh, where the Mavericks were able to get dribble penetration from Luca. And then everybody just swings it around the arc to Reggie and he misses. And that uh, cycle was at a sort of continuum all game or, you know, he was hitting and, you know, he would occasionally get out in the fast break, but he, this is obviously a guy that, you know, throughout his NBA careers and, you know, does not have the biggest offensive repertoire. And, you know, so what he does, he has to do really well. And, you know, while the three-point shooting numbers were good, I do think that they were a little bit misleading because, you know, you talked about it earlier, Jaren, uh, that you felt like we still never got the Reggie Bullock of old. I mean, I, I don't know. Personally, I feel like the numbers were kind of skewed a little bit because, you know, Reggie would go off, yes, for these five, six, three games every once in a while. But, you know, it, it wasn't as steady as the previous year where, you know, he, you know, you'd expect him to knock in a few um every night um you know he'd have some of these 0 for 8 games some of these games where you know he was um tapping into his Tony Snell bag collecting cardio out there he had a few stat lines where it was zeros across the board yeah uh for you know pretty long time there like a rebound or something like that you know he he doesn't provide much else in terms of rebounding or passing obviously um so you know it, it was kind of a rough scene from that perspective um but can you attribute some of that to, you know, his role as well as his age, as well as the you know, long-winded playoff run, of course. So, you know, as far as Reggie's future in Dallas is concerned, I think the biggest improvements that he can make next year are also, you know, going to be in the same vein as Maxie, where it's going to be conducive to, you know, if the Mavericks, you know, because I think Reggie Bullock is he, I think he can be a role player on a championship team. I I earnestly do. Um, I, I don't think that he can be a starting role player on a championship team um you know just given the the wear and tear um that he's kind of you know kind of got on those legs um you know i, I just don't know if he's gonna have the wherewithal to do that you know that being said it, the mavericks are kind of in you know, a sort of precarious position to move him you know he is around that sort of mid-tier level in terms of his contract where you know he's on that uh, you know, non-taxpayer MLE still from uh 2021. I think he's making around nine or ten million a year. So he's at that like mid-level contract where you know you can definitely throw him into a trade to amplify things, but he's not going to be the spearhead of a trade, just like Maxi, of course. So, um, you know that that's an interesting dynamic to monitor, of course. But I, you know, I I do think that he he could get back to the you know the Reggie Bullock of old. You know, who's shooting. maybe even a little bit a tad bit above that just given the amount of minutes he has even if it does take him uh, a little bit to to come into form you know at at the beginning of the season it's not as drastic of a uh, complete drop off and then you know coming to life as he had last year I I definitely think last year was the most you know exaggerated instance of that in his career so I, I think that there may be hope at the end of the tunnel but you know, last year, definitely, um, was not, did didn't make me, you know, feel a whole lot better, uh, in, in terms of, you know, how, how his time in Dallas is going to be looked at going forward, but, you know, it, it not all hope is lost, so I, I don't know, I'm I'm kind of, you know, in in a toss up, with Reggie, um, the the defense, if anything, is probably the most concernable. Um, aspect of all of this because that was something that I felt like, you know, tapered off from previous years uh, almost the whole year. It wasn't just something that automatically shifted once February rolled around. So, you know, I, I think in a limited role, the Mavericks are able to, you know, add starting caliber wings, or you know, they just they kind of uh, switch their play style up a little bit, and you know, Reggie's coming off the bench. I I do think that you know, it could be a positive thing. He's he's still a really good shooter when he's tapped in and, um, you know, I think he can still provide good point of attack defense in certain instances, but um, you know, especially, you know, he has a decent frame. He's fairly long. The Mavericks, I felt, I felt like um, kind of asked him to chase around a lot of guards this year and um, I, I would like to see them, you know, be able to get some players that can do that a little bit better. You know, obviously they have one in Josh Green where they can kind of throw out guys like that, but you know, if they're able to get some of those bigger bodied wings, kind of use uh Reggie as that chest piece uh, to be able to guard up or guard down, uh, I think that that would maybe eliminate some of the wear and tear on his legs, you know, where he's having to chase around Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, guys like that um, would, you know, serve to prolong his career. So in terms of his sustainability rating, Jaron, I would probably go with about a 6.5 just because, you know, obviously while he was mentioned in trade rumors a lot throughout the year last year, he's just a little bit more of a difficult player to move, especially considering how he fared last season and his age. Um, You know, I may actually bump that down to a six. Now that I think about it, Um, but all things considered, you know, I could see a role for him on this team going forward, but you know, even if he does, if he doesn't get moved, uh, at the off season and you know he continues to depreciate then I think he's for sure gone by the trade deadline so you know it's it's an interesting sort of thing to go forward but what what would you tally his sustainability rating at?
0: Yeah I was you know I'm I'm actually gonna sort of differ from you Will. Uh, I was gonna think more on the line of a five. Um, I, I just think you know with his age um, and sort of you know the lack of presence that he had last season, I think it's a, a lot to sort of digest for this team. I think there's a lot of moves to be made, of course for obvious reasons and I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the na- one of the names included and um, in sort of a package to move him along on a different squad but um I, I just think you know granted, I think there are some sort of saving graces for him. Uh, he played a career high 78 games this year um which again I mean you know is is very positive. Uh, but in the manner in which he did it, in I just don't think is too positive. Uh, for a guy that uh, I just didn't feel like clocked very good sort of minutes on the squad. You know, yes, there was spurts as we mentioned, uh, but there was some very, very, very negative uh, sort of spurts, and I think that's one of the gu- one of the guys where the negatives definitely outweigh the positives. Um, and I'm I'm just gonna be honest. I don't think that this team has sort of the capabilities uh, to go through another four months of Reggie Bullocks. Uh, incapable shooting. Um, and I, I agree with you. I second you. Uh, that I, I think that he is a championship-level role player. Um, but if he's going to be a maverick, not a starter, and...
1: not like I think yeah, that's that's, that, yeah, that's the
0: point that I was going to get at. I, if okay. he's going to continue to be on this squad and if he's going to continue to compete, uh, I think that he's going to have to come off the bench. I think that that was likely the last season of him consistently starting. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to him playing some spot starter minutes, um, you know, given an injury or just given a back-to-back sort of night where, you know, rest or whatever have had be, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, but I think the the consistent starting of Reggie Bullock probably has come to an end at this point in his career, um, whether it be in Dallas or somewhere else. I, I just think that's probably the realistic option. Um, and again, like, I, I like Reggie a lot. I think he's a good player. Um, I just think that realistically, I just don't really see him. I, I don't think he's a guy that gets gets moved this off season. I see him as a, a sort of mid season move. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, that like I just don't. I think he's uh, too one dimensional. I guess or just not really a guy that you can sort of highlight in a trade package or even really include in a good trade package to sort of uh, I guess entice anybody. So I think I see him more of a sort of one for one swap uh, or even a salary dump sort of thing. Uh, Um I guess. I just
1: don't think the yeah. My main point was like, I just don't know if the Mavericks are like hard pressed to move him specifically. I I think they have the ability, and and for reason being that I think they have the ability to not include him in trades, you know, comparable to even like Maxi. I I think that they just have the ability to keep him uh and then monitor the situation going forward and get surrounding pieces and kind of see where he fits in the mix of that. Um, versus some of these other guys. But that being said. You know, I, I'm not, you know, you know, remiss to just completely uh reject the, the timeline difference between, you know, him and the Mavericks, you know, in like Luca, obviously, and you know, him you know, really starting to get on the wrong side 30 and his limited, you know, sort of one dimensionality as a role player. So it, it there's all a lot of things to take into account, but I I do think that, we're you know, one thing that we can say uh, definitively, as you mentioned, is that he, I don't think, is going to be starting next year. Um, yeah. Barring some insane resurgence where, you know, he's just red hot to start the year and, you know, you have to keep him in the starting lineup.
0: Yeah. And I'll make this one last point. Uh, and, you know, just before I do take that point away, or I guess before I do say my point, This is no knock on him as a man or as a teammate. He's an amazing player, an amazing role model uh, in the community. So that's why I'm saying this a little lightheartedly. But I I don't think that the Mavericks are going to baby him uh, as much as they did this season. I I think that, you know, he's more of a guy where if it doesn't work out, if he, you know, has his usual uh, pre-January cold shooting and cold defense, then I, I could very well see the Mavericks just Sort of cold sticking it and sending him in a trade that you know doesn't really have any positives outside of uh maybe a salary dump. Yeah. I, I just don't really see him staying on the Mavericks long, or, or at least too long or having too big of a role. Um, if he continues to have his sort of half season drought, um, and I think that you know, contrary to what I just said, I think that he was very much baby this season, uh, in the sense that he got to take off a game or two. I can't remember how many it was, I think it was just one game. Um with sort of a mental break. I, I don't think that's gonna be at all possible next year. Um, and I think if the Mavericks ever do come to that point, that it'll likely be him sitting out due to uh him finding a trade and finding a new home. So yeah. No, I mean me, obviously, obviously,
1: I'm you know, tread carefully um with mental health issues and all that sort of stuff. I, I don't know exactly what you know if it was specifically because of his, his shot or something like that was it like I can't remember to be honest
0: with you. That, that's still what the narrative was behind it. It could have been mental uh, health okay. it could have
1: been, yeah um, if that's if, yeah if that's the instance because he was in a slump you know that's one thing but you know I, I I obviously won't assume you know anything he was going through at the time. Um but you know I, I will say as much that you know contrary to you know last year there was a sort of over or reliance on him just from the Mavericks inability and, you know, their limited, uh, you know, capital, uh, not having that pick, you know, and, you know, just a lack of assets in general uh, to start the year last year, or even heading into the trade deadline compared to now, uh, even if they don't have those assets or just basically forced to make moves. I think it was, you know, a little bit more of a comfortability play where you could, you know, be like, all right, he was on the playoffs last year. He's earned this. You know, we're, we're just our hand isn't forced to move him quite yet. We signed him to a deal the offseason before versus this year. You know, he'll be in year three of that deal. Um, I can't remember if he has a player option on the fourth year, um, maybe a team option. I don't even know. But, you know, obviously he is, uh, you know, approaching, you know, his mid 30s soon uh yeah i i would agree with you Jaron, that the uh i think the decision makers in the front office if the opportunity presents itself whether it's this offseason or the trade deadline i i definitely don't think that they would be as hesitant to move him or at, at least i would hope that they not be so well, yeah we'll just have to see going forward uh what did you end up uh finding Jaron, for reggie's surprising stat?
0: let me pull this up real quick i don't have it pulled up quite yet all right so um I think uh, again, just a little, a little backstory, Uh, not backstory, but oftentimes, you know, people, whenever they're looking at true shooting or whether or not someone's a good shooter or whatever, they look at their free throw percentage. Uh, And I think we'll, you know, what, I guess, what are you looking for? You know, if you're looking at a free throw percentage, what's a good free throw percentage for someone who shoots, or I guess is known as a shooter for you. Like what's a good or average? I'd uh, say 80% 80 or above. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Bullock shot 70% from the three point or from the free throw line. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, I think that only sticks out to, yeah. um. you know, possibly his sort of depreciation that we saw over the last year uh, in terms of shooting. I think that that could possibly be uh, a hint of what we might get to see or what we might be able to see for the next year's coming. Or, um, you know, it may have been just a weird season. Uh, I mean, who knows? We'll, I mean, we'll he's maybe... not
1: getting to the free throw line much, obviously, just given, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the the style of player he is. But – um you know that's always something that you kind of look towards because you know especially in a year where he was so volatile it seemed like you know you have these like uh like eight for 12 nights from three and then like you know over 10 the next night um you know you you have to sort of think of like what is this player's overall confidence what's his overall consistency you know in a in a real you know like clutch playoff scenario like how much can i rely on him you know sometimes percentages can be misleading so Uh, It's not a big dig, but it is something that, you know, is by far and away a career worse. So uh, I thought it was interesting that he only shot 70% from the free throw line this past year. Um, But that being said, Jaren, unless you have anything else with Reggie um, that wraps up our season and reviews for um, both of these guys or all three of these guys, rather Um, you can follow us on Twitter at mainstream two one four. That's where we'd be posting all our new stuff. We're trying to bolster our Twitter uh get back out into the crowd um get you know push content out on there um you know as well as promote our podcast on there so make sure to follow us there if you listen this far in the podcast make sure to follow us if you're watching on YouTube shout out to the YouTube gang uh make sure podcast on YouTube uh comment down below who do you think out of all three of these players is the most likely to get moved um also make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts uh, we're on almost every podcast plat, uh, listening platform. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating and follow us or subscribe to us or whatever the button is that it may be on that podcast platform you're listening on. We would really appreciate that. Or if you even gave us a review, uh, we take all uh, you know, everything into account that we all feedback we get from you guys. So we really would appreciate that. Um, other than that, we'll be back to turn out the rest of these player profiles with Luca and Kyrie and uh, you know, then get steadfast on uh, to these draft profiles. Uh, we're happy to be back with you guys. And uh, this is Will mainstream mass podcast signing out i'll catch you guys in the next one
0: bye bye